0: Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health but also saving us time, money and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Uh, Welcome to the show. My name is Saxon. I'm joined by Dr. Kevin. And today our guest is Principal Audiologist, Karen Hirschhausen from Hearing Australia. Karen, tell us a little bit about Hearing Australia.
1: Uh, Morning, Saxon. Um, So Hearing Australia is a government statutory authority. We've been around for 70 years. We were an organisation that started just after World War II. Um, There were a lot of veterans returning back from World War II with hearing loss. And at around the same time, there was the Revella um, epidemic sort of happening as well. So there are a lot of children at that stage also being born with hearing loss too. So the government um, set us up um, 70 plus years ago. Uh, we're a nationwide um, organisation. So you'll find us all over the place. We do a lot of work in outreach communities as well. So our stretch is very, very broad. We're, Unfortunately, not so much in the, the remote communities at the moment due to COVID, um, but normally we'd be seeing people all over Australia. And we're here for all Australians. So from the moment you're born um, all the way through life, uh, Hearing Australia is here to, to help people of all ages.
0: That's fantastic. Um... Who do you find is the, the demographic that you guys are, are seeing the most? Is there, is there a certain age group that are coming to you?
1: Yeah, so probably the two most common causes of hearing loss is ageing and noise exposure. So over the age of 50, um, your probability of developing a hearing loss starts to sort of get higher and higher. Uh, so once you hit age 70 and 80, you know, roughly around 70 to 80% of people will have some degree of hearing loss. So that is a demographic that we see really regularly. Um, We also do see a lot of children as well, um, both children that have been born with a hearing loss and also children that may come to us with um, a preventable hearing loss as well. So by preventable, um, a wax blockage or a middle ear problem such as a Um, an ear infection or a titus media. Um, But yes, so generally we're mostly working in that younger age group and the older demographic as well.
0: Karen, thanks so much for joining us on on the podcast. And as a GP, I suppose I see a lot of patients in their lives who have hearing and it impacts their quality of life. Um, What do you see as being the worst that can happen if those that need to get tested don't get their hearing assessed.
1: Yes, yeah, so probably the main thing we start to notice is um, social isolation. So that risk of developing um, depression or anxiety issues because of becoming socially withdrawn is probably our main area that we want to try and help people with. So, yes. hearing's a really important sense for pe- keeping people connected to each other. It's our main sense that we use for communication. Mm-hmm. So when we're starting to sort of slow, socially withdraw, um, it can have an impact with regards to mental health. There are some other issues as well, such as um, an untreated hearing loss can give you, or can be indicative of a higher risk of falling, um, which is a you know huge concern for people in the older age bracket. And there are some sort of um, potential causal links or common causes with other things such as diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, and potentially dementia as well. The cochlear is a very vascular organ. So anything that's related to blood flow um, or restriction of blood flow um, can have an impact on, on hearing. So it's not known whether one causes the other, um, but there are definitely links between those um, those sorts of, issues Um, but our main thing is trying to keep people connected with their families and friends and obviously during this time um, with the pandemic happening um, keeping connected um, with family and friends has become really important for a lot of our clients as well.
0: Have you seen much drop-off in testing during the pandemic and what would be some of the reasons why people hesitate you know to get their hearing tested? What are the barriers to getting tested?
1: yeah sure. We haven't seen um, a huge um, drop off in far, as far as people wanting to still get their hearing tested. Um, during lockdown's a little bit of a problem. It can be a little bit trickier. Some of our testing we do need to do face to face. So to have a full um, hearing test done does require you to put headphones on and, and respond to sound. so that's not something that we've been able to do a full assessment for for people Um, via an online situation, we can do a screening online, but not necessarily a full diagnostic audiogram. Mm -hmm. So in some situations, people have still um, come into the office and and we've obviously got restrictions in place with regards to social distancing, and we wear masks and face shields. Um, But no, we haven't seen a huge drop. In fact, we've probably seen a little bit of an increase in interest because people are starting to use things like FaceTime or they're watching a little bit more television than before and potentially starting to notice that they're not hearing as well or they're relying a little bit more on the phone to keep in touch with family members and other family members might be sort of suggesting it's not as easy to talk to you on the phone as it, as it used to be. So people I think are definitely noticing um, potentially some issues with their hearing um, because they're not doing as much face to face contact um, and they're relying a little bit more on other avenues, especially with the phone. We don't have the option of looking at the person when we're on the phone, unless we're using FaceTime or or Zoom or Skype. But without those visual cues, even with a mild hearing loss, it does make hearing on on the phone that much more difficult. Once you take away that visual information, people do start to notice that they could be struggling a little bit more.
0: I often find that um, the older uh, patient would be very uh, hesitant about getting hearing aids, and it could be a, yeah. a blocker, a reason why they don't go ahead with a hearing test if it's referred by us as GPs or um, or suggested by a family member. So, what are the what are the costs and what's the stigma involved in getting the hearing test and and getting it fixed if there's any deficit? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we know on average people tend to wait about seven years um, from the onset of them noticing a hearing loss to actually doing something about it um, or talking to somebody about it so it's quite a long period of time. There is a little bit of a stigma I think attached to hearing aids so um, people may view them as something that you only need when you're old Um, and we don't like to admit that we're we're ageing and there has been a, you know, a long-term stigma attached to hearing aids with people feeling that they're really big and bulky items and that they're a nuisance and um, they won't be able to get used to them or they won't be able to wear them in certain situations. But the technology in hearing aids <clears throat> has really advanced. They're really highly sophisticated little microchips now with computer memory in them Um, They do a lot of fast sort of data analysing so they can analyse different situations that you're in and adapt and they're quite small as well. So once I think people um, come in and have a look and see what other options there are, hearing aids aren't always the answer as well. There are other devices that we can suggest or trial for people too. And in some situations it may just be having a talk to a clinician and maybe um, coming up with some strategies for different environments that you're in as well. Sure. But, yeah, a little bit nerve-wracking um, coming in to do a hearing test. Um, often find um, when I'm testing somebody, you might find that they're holding their breath at the same time because they're trying really hard to hear the the softest sounds. So it's always like, don't forget to breathe, don't forget to breathe while you're doing your hearing right, test.
0: Right, right. And, and to give um, our listeners uh, the confidence that um, this is something that can be addressed um you know during those seven years of waiting and potentially suffering uh, you know from from hearing loss um what's the evidence that uh there are you know improvements in well-being and, and quality of life um, what do you see as being at the other end when people do get tested and get their hearing deficits addressed
1: yeah it, it does come really back down to being connected but again within family So. Um, We do see a lot of clients come in and it may not have occurred to them until we start talking to them about it, but they've started to socially withdraw or really avoid particular situations that they might have once enjoyed without sort of even realising it. So it can be common for us to hear from clients that they used to enjoy going to a Rotary meeting or a Probus meeting and they've stopped going because they're finding it too difficult to follow what's going on. Or they're having to withdraw from the social part afterwards so when everybody's um, standing around having a cup of tea and a chat they're finding it really difficult to follow the conversation so they completely withdraw from those environments that you know, it used to give them a lot of pleasure and, and joy so that I think is really the main thing that we want people to you know understand or to address is we don't want people to be avoiding situations that they used to enjoy, where we can sort of offer some assistance for for clients. So whether it be a hearing device or whatever said, whether it be just maybe practicing some strategies and tactics that they can use in that environment. We really don't like seeing people withdraw from social situations just for that reason.
0: Sure, sure. Karen, I, um, I used to work in my 20s in some pretty noisy environments. And I know that um, exposure to noise over time is, is one of the, the precursors to hearing loss. Is there, is there anything that people can do to prevent um, hearing loss or, or, or delay it?
1: Yeah, yep. so noise exposure is, is a really big problem, um, definitely with regards to your hearing. So we know probably about over a third of hearing losses um, are, are due to noise exposure. And it's not just the working environment that's the concern. It's actually more the leisure noise that we expose ourselves to these days. It's a, a bit more of a problem. Australia is pretty good with regards to industrial standards as far as workplace noise. Um, so we don't see as much noise exposure due to work environments um, now, but it is much more related to the leisure noise. And it's people often think it, it's to do with the of the volume of noise, that's the problem. And that's not usually the case. It's actually the the amount of noise or the the length of time that you're exposed to noise. So in a workplace environment, 85 decibels for eight hours is what is appropriate. And 85 decibels is is sort of loud speech. Um, So if you were sort of raising your voice a little bit higher than what we're speaking at at the moment, that's roughly around 85 decibels. So you can, ears can tolerate that for eight hours um, without noticing any damage, but every three decibels above that, you actually halve the amount of time that you can be exposed to noise. So anytime you might have been in a, a club or a concert and you go home at night and you notice that little ringing in your ears or you feel that your hearing's dulled down and, you, and you're just not hearing as well, that's generally an indication that you've exposed your ears to too much noise and you've caused yourself some damage. Um, tinnitus is often a sign of early hearing loss as well. So anybody who does get ringing or buzzing in their ears has often um, exposed themselves to enough noise that their hearing, hearing has been damaged. We can kind of expose ourselves to a little bit of noise um, for a few times and the little hair cells in our cochlea will lay down for a little while, and then uh, 24 hours they'll come back up again. So you might've noticed yourself, Saxon after being at a concert, your hearing drops down a little bit for a while, but then 24 hours later, you do, it's back to back to normal. But we can only do that so many times before the little hair cells in the cochlea stay laying down um, and that noise damage becomes permanent. Thanks so for me, my
0: clothing days we- are over. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, it, it uh, I do hear effect. occasionally there's reports coming out about a cure for tinnitus. Is that, is that something that's, that they've managed to achieve yet or is that still a long way away?
1: That's still a long, long way away. Um, there've been a lot of different theories over the years about what causes tinnitus, um, whether it's created in the cochlea, whether it's created um, within the auditory nerve. Um, So no, we don't have a cure for tinnitus, unfortunately, at the moment, but we do have a really good program um, where we can um, talk to clients about counselling, about managing um, tinnitus and potentially using some sound therapy to sort of adjust to to the sound of of tinnitus. But unfortunately, no, no magic cure as yet. No pill, unfortunately, to, to take for that. Um, one thing I do suggest to clients, um, because noise with leisure noise is the big concern at the moment, if you're wearing headphones, and that tends to be our biggest area of concern, because a lot of people are wearing headphones a lot more these days than they used to. If your conversation partner can hear the, no- can hear the music um, from a conversational distance through your headphones, then it's too loud, um, it needs to be turned down. So you should still be able to carry on some degree of conversation at conversational distance whilst you're wearing your headphones. So we recommend um, headphones that have a noise limit on them, especially for kids. And even some of the Apple devices or um, Android devices will have a a noise limiting program in them as well. And we definitely recommend using that too.
0: Any final advice for people um, who are managing issues with their hearing?
1: Yeah, um, definitely don't be afraid. Don't leave it seven years to come in and talk to an audiologist um, about your hearing. Uh, One thing we are finding at the moment, obviously in the midst of the COVID pandemic, there's a lot of mask wearing um, happening, and that can be a real concern for um, clients who have a hearing loss. There's been a lot of work done both by um, the National Acoustics Laboratory, which is our research arm but also hearing aid manufacturers. And they've come up with different algorithms for clients who are wearing hearing aids, who are trying to communicate with somebody wearing a mask. So if you're finding it really difficult in that environment at the moment, um, talk to your audiologist. There could be um, a specific setting that we can set in your hearing aids to overcome that concern. Um, And also um, remember with your noise exposure, if the person sitting next to you or standing next to you can hear your music,
0: please turn it down. KAREN HERTAUSEN, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, Kevin, sorry. I was just going to ask and finish on, Karen, uh, thank you again. Um, And if someone wanted to get tested, we know that at Asana we run uh, hearing clinics. Um, We also refer uh, to audiologists, but where can uh, folks get tested Uh, through Hearing Australia?
1: Yeah, so um, as mentioned earlier, Kevin, we're nationwide. So there will be a Hearing Australia located somewhere near you. Um, There is also online on our website, we have an online hearing test that if you can't come into the clinic um, at the moment and you just wanted to have a check of your hearing, um, a a bit of a screen or just to get an indication whether you should have it looked into a little bit further, um, you can go to our website at at Hearing www.hearingaustralia.com.au and the National Acoustics Laboratory have developed an online hearing test um, that people can complete there. Wonderful. Um, Yeah, and also if you're concerned about noise exposure, uh, they've also developed a Know Your Noise Risk Calculator as well. So we direct a lot of young people towards that as well. You can calculate whether you're at risk for noise exposure.
0: Well, thank you so much, Karen, and look forward to talking again soon.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Saxon.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Bye.